Welcome to Five Books for Catholics, where an expert selects and explains five outstanding books on some aspect of Catholic life, doctrine, or culture. Music is an essential part of Christmas. Christ's birth inspired the angels to praise God with the Gloria. Luke 2, verse 14. Presumably, the angels sung it, like other hymns of praise that we find in the heavenly liturgy, as in Revelation 5.9. Since then, the celebration of Christ's birth has continued to inspire song throughout the world. It has also been a major source of inspiration for classical composers. Here are five recommended recordings of 20th century classical music for Christmas. For the reasons already mentioned, there is a large body of classical music for Christmas. The library of recordings of that music is even larger. There is plenty to choose from when putting together a list of five recommended classical music records for Christmas. However, without any further criterion for selecting the entries, the list will be haphazard or simply privilege the more famous pieces. Such lists are ten a penny. Focusing on 20th century classical music narrows down the repertoire significantly. There is also a pedagogical motive for focusing on it. It is a good way of introducing those who are not initiated to some of the more accessible pieces of 20th century classical music. During the 20th century, classical composers experimented with new musical forms and grammar. Just as Haydn's generation moved away from the Baroque style and the Romantics often worked outside the formal constraints of the classical period. However, as in literature and the visual arts, many 20th century composers followed the prevalent cultural trend to make a more radical break with the past. Often, they moved away from tonality and everyday song, the basis of traditional musical grammar. Much of the resulting repertoire is challenging. The works that are purer in quality are often downright unpleasant. Nevertheless, those unfamiliar with modern classical music should not be put off. Many of the great 20th century composers, such as Rachmaninoff, Prokofiev, Shostakovich and Benjamin Britten, do not abandon tonality at all. Nor do many of the more experimental composers, even though they use it more flexibly. Similarly, while they are breaking with tradition in some regards, they retrieve it in others. They often look back to pre-romantic compositional styles. Consequently, there is plenty of wonderful 20th century classical music that is also very accessible. This includes music for Christmas. Listening to some of these Christmas compositions can help us enter the mysteries and festivities we celebrate. It can also help us discover more 20th century classical music. Moreover, in a Catholic spirit, each of the pieces selected represents a different country and its tradition of Christmas music. The first work is Fantasia on Christmas Carols by Ralph Vaughan Williams. Vaughan Williams lived from 1872 to 
1958. Not only is he one of the major British composers of the 20th century, he also played an important role in conserving and spreading the English language repertoire of hymns and Christmas carols. Von Williams was a self-described cheerful agnostic. He was also the musical editor of two influential collections of English sacred music, the English Hymnal from 1906 and the Oxford Book of Carols from 1928. What made von Williams particularly suited to the task was not just his skills as a composer, but also his credentials as an ethnomusicologist. Like many Eastern European composers of the late 19th and early 20th century, such as Bela Bartok and Zoltan Kodaly, von Williams toured the country to collect local folk music and subsequently integrated melodies and motifs from it into his own compositions. His ethnomusicological work was particularly important for conserving and spreading the English tradition of Christmas carols. The English language tradition of carols originated in the 15th century. Carols were popular songs that, though religious, were more light-hearted and less severe than Latin plain song. They were a sort of alternative to plain song and Gregorian chant. Christmas carols were a subgenre. Several collections of English carols were published in the early 19th century. The editors of some such collections bemoaned that, even then, the tradition of singing them was dying out and often conserved only in the remoter parts of the country. Besides the carols that he arranged or composed for the Oxford Book of Carols, von Williams composed several works for Christmas. These works draw on traditional English carols. The most ambitious of these is his Christmas cantata, Odie, from 1952. However, his Fantasia on Christmas carols from 1912 for baritone, mixed chorus and orchestra not only sticks closer to the spirit and style of the source material, arguably it is more devout and recollected, better suited to the cathedral than the concert hall. As the title indicates, the work riffs on several carols and reworks them into a new and original whole. Like Gustav Holst's Christmas Day from 1910, it reworks four carols. First, the truth sent from above. Second, come all you worthy gentlemen. Third, on Christmas night, all Christians sing, otherwise known as the Sussex Carol. And fourth, there is a fountain. The work is written mainly in the Phrygian mode. Richard Hickox was the first to record the piece. He provides an affecting performance and couples it with some of Vaughan Williams' other Christmas music. The second work is Lauda per la Natività del Signore by Ottorino Respighi. Respighi lived from 1879 to 1936. He is best known for his orchestral suite, The Birds, and his tone poem, The Pines of Rome. In 1930, he composed a cantata for soloists, choir, winds, and forehand piano, Lauda 
per la Natività del Signore. The cantata is a musical setting of the Canticle for the Nativity. Like the Stabat Mater, this poem is attributed to the Franciscan Giacoponi da Todi, who lived from 1230 to 138. The soprano, mezzo-soprano, and tenor soloists represent the angel, Mary, and the shepherd, respectively. Respighi even toyed with the idea of setting the work for the stage. Along with some other Italian composers of his generation, such as Ildibrando Pizzetti, Alfredo Casella, and Gianfrancesco Malpiero, Respighi strained against the country's dominant musical tradition, that of 19th century opera. This, along with the similarities in the general approach of these composers, led to their being dubbed La Generazione dell'Ottanta, the 80s generation. These composers drew on developments in other countries. Respighi, for example, took lessons from Rimsky-Korsakov in Russia. These composers took a greater interest in instrumental music, both orchestral and chamber. At the same time, they were deeply rooted in the Italian tradition. However, they took their cue not from Bellini, Donizetti and Verdi, but from earlier Italian composers, such as Cimarosa, Scarlatti, Vivaldi and Monteverdi. Respighi, moreover, took a deep interest in Gregorian chant. These stylistic traits shine through in Respighi's Lauda per la Natività del Signore. The text selected evokes the 13th century Italy of St. Francis, whereas with the use of modes and fragments of Gregorian chant, Respighi pairs the text with evocations of the musical idiom of the period. By using a wind ensemble for the accompaniment, he also evokes the Sampogna, the bagpipes of central and southern Italy that are commonly associated with Christmas. There are not many recordings of the work and even few are available for first-hand purchase. Richard Hickcock's fine recording with Janet Baker may not be easily available. Another option is Anders Ebbies. It too boasts a fine ensemble of singers and pairs with Spiegel's Christmas cantata with Sanson's beautiful Oratorio de Noël. Speaking of Sanson, the next stop is France and the Croate Motet pour le Temple de Noël by François Poulon. This work was composed in 1952. Poulon lived from 1899 to 1963. Like Respighi, music critics discerned that Poulon and some of his Francophone peers were not following the dominant trends in composition, but just stating a distinctive style. They followed neither in the suit of Wagnerian Romanticism nor the Impressionism of Debussy and Ravel. Instead, there was a neoclassical inflection to their style and they had an infinity for popular music such as jazz, everyday life and the frivolous. Beyond that, each one's musical style, influences and intentions were distinct. Though friends, they did not share a common agenda. In 1920, however, Henri Collet compared them to 19th century Russian nationalist composers, the five, 
and nicknamed them Les Six. Alongside Poulenc were Georges Auric, Louis Duré, Arthur Honegger, Darius Milot, and Germaine Taillefer. In 1936, Poulenc was more moved by the death of a young composer, Pierre-Octave Feu. Feu died in a car accident. Poulenc retreated to Rocamadour, a site of Marian pilgrimage that his father held dear. His visit to the Sanctuary of the Black Virgin and the simple faith of the pilgrims helped Poulenc recover his faith, the faith he had abandoned years earlier amid the hedonism of post-war Paris. It also inspired his Litanie à la Vierge Noire, a turning point in his output. Poulenc began to compose a substantial body of sacred music, or, in the case of his acclaimed operatic setting of Jean Bananot's Dialogue des Carmelites, Dialogues of the Carmelites, works about the faith. The themes of its non-sacred music also became more substantial. Emblematic of Poulenc's later musical and personal trajectory are his four motets for Lent, Quat motets pour le temps de pénitence, written in 1938 and 1939. Three of these motets are musical settings of Holy Week responsories. They express the sincere faith that Poulenc had recently recovered. Maybe they also express his guilt over his ongoing homosexual relationships. A companion piece are his Quat motets pour le temps de Noël, four motets for Christmas tide. These four motets are also for unaccompanied choir. They were written in 1952. In each of these motets, the choir sings a Latin text from the Christian liturgy. First, O Magnum Mysterium, How Great a Mystery. Second, Quem Vidistis Pastores Dicite, Shepherds, Tell Us Whom You Saw. Third, Videntis Stellam Magica Visisunt, Upon Seeing the Star, the Magi Rejoiced. And fourth, Odie Christus Natus Est, Today Christ is Born. In the motets, Poulenc combines his gift for unostentatious melody with daring chromatic shifts. The motets open by conjuring up the mysteriousness of the Incarnation and culminate in the joyous song in celebration of the Saviour's birth. In between, they explore the simple faith of the shepherds and the searching faith of the Magi. A good recording of this widely recorded piece is that of the Sixteen under its founder, Harry Christophers. Sacred music is the heart of this acclaimed choir's repertoire. This disc includes not only a fine recording of Poulenc's Christmas motets, but the other works of sacred music mentioned above, along with his Mass in G. Fourth, there is Retablo de Navidad by the Spanish composer Joaquin Rodrigo. Spain's tradition of Christmas carols stands out from that of other European nations. It too comprises meditative chants. However, its cheerier ones are particularly lively, particularly more lively and rambunctious than those of other countries. Take, for example, Aire y Donaire from Rodrigo's Retablo de Navidad composed in 1952. 
This is a Christmas cantata for soprano, baritone, chorus, and orchestra. Rodrigo lived from 1901 to 1999. He is one of the major Spanish composers of the 20th century and is best known for his Concierto de Arenquez for guitar and orchestra, composed in 1939. This work's haunting second movement was inspired in part by Rodrigo's grief at the miscarriage of his first child. The Retablo de Navidad consists of eight songs. Two of the texts are anonymous, Aire e Donaire, a la Chiribiri Bella, and two are by the great Spanish poet and playwright Lope de Vega, Pastorcito Santo, and a la Clavelina. The others are based on texts written by Rodrigo's wife, Victoria Cami. The songs evoke the traditional Spanish repertoire of Christmas carols, or villancicos. They are rooted in local folk music. The Rodrigo's own neoclassical compositional style lends itself well to this task. While singers such as Victoria de los Angeles and Plácido Domingo have recorded individual carols from the set, there are only a couple of recordings of the whole work, such as that of the Naxos label. The pieces selected so far belong to the Catholic tradition of Western Europe. However, it would be unfair to leave out Eastern Christianity's tradition of sacred music. In this regard, the music of Georgi Sviridov is particularly appropriate. Sviridov lived from 1915 to 1998. Shostakovich taught him at the Leningrad Conservatory and considered him one of his finest pupils. Sviridov's relatively conservative compositional style and his interest in celebrating Russian history and tradition in his music ingratiated him with the Soviet authorities. However, he was a Russian nationalist rather than a party lackey. On the one hand, he did not bow to the pressure to condemn Shostakovich when his former teacher's testimony was published in the West. On the other hand, he always considered orthodoxy to be the wellspring of Russian culture. Though an accomplished composer of instrumental music, Zvididov excelled as a writer of vocal and choral music. In 1969, he began composing sacred music, and his last completed work, Canticles and Prayers from Exquire, is a setting of liturgical poetry from the Okpidot. This work is deeply rooted in Russian Orthodox's liturgical chants. Though a collection of choral settings of liturgical texts, Canticles and Prayers was not intended as a piece of liturgical music. Despite its Christian content, it was conceived as a non-liturgical oratory or cycle. And Sviridov's original intention, later abandoned, was to write a sort of mass. The second of the work's five parts is entitled Having Beheld a Strange Nativity and consists of seven canticles. The fourth and sixth of the canticles are penitential prayers, while the first, third and fifth are doxologies and recall the acclamation of the angelic chorus at Christ's birth. The closing hymn discloses the overarching theme of this collection. Christ's entry into the world. Christ enters the world so that we might rise heavenwards. He has humbled himself so as to divinize us. These recordings can be a gateway into the work of these 20th century classical composers. Above all, hopefully, they will help us enter more deeply into the mystery of the incarnate word.
The show notes contain links to these recordings. And you can also read this article at www.fivebooksforcatholics.com. Thank you for listening. To read or listen to the rest of this interview and gain full access to our archive, visit fivebooksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a top rating on the platform of your choice. That way more people can discover it. You can also support the podcast and help us produce more interviews like this one by making a one-off donation via the link given in the show notes. As little as one dollar, one pound or one Europe can help and will be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again and God bless.